0: Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. I'm joined in the studio today with three people. Their names are Bernadette Dementieff, Janine Frey Najutli, and James Nathaniel Jr. They're all Gwich'en people. From Alaska and Canada, they're on a tour to connect with other people who maybe have a similar struggle.
1: Well, my name is Bernadette, and um, I'm Kuchajak, which in from Fort Yukon. It's eight miles above the Arctic Circle, and um, I've been doing this since as long as I could remember. I don't ever remember a time when my family ever told me this is important, it's just always been in my heart. So I have got deeply involved over time when it started becoming become an issue that they're trying to open the coastal plain of the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. The coastal plain is sacred to my people and it has been sacred for over 20,000 years. It's the calving grounds to the porcupine caribou herd and the porcupine caribou herd and the Gwich'in Nation have a spiritual and cultural connection. Our ancestral homelands, they put the border right in the middle, so half of us are Canadian and half of us are American. We stand in solidarity to protect this place. We speak with one voice and we are here at the direction of our elders seeking more support. We are very interested in having the senator of Arizona, Senator Flake and McCain. To help us protect our way of life, our which in nation identity, identity is at risk, so we are here asking for their support in protecting the refuge. Uh, our senators in Alaska are no longer listening to our concerns. They're no longer listening to our pleas, and they're ignoring any struggles that we've been sharing with them. So. We're down here, going through Arizona, Nevada, Utah, and Colorado to garner support from our fellow Americans.
0: Thank you, Bernadette. So you're the executive director for the Gwich'in Steering Committee?
1: Uh, Yes. The Gwich'in Steering Committee was formed in 1988. That was the first Gwich'in gathering that was held in over 100 years. The whole Gwich'in Nation united, and they formed the Gwich'in Steering Committee. Mm. So we have four Canadian board members and four Alaskan board members. And James Hare is actually a board member, and he's Chick Gwich'in from Chalkitsuk, Alaska.
2: Hi. Um, My name is James Nathaniel Jr., uh, I serve as a board member on the Gwachin Steering Committee um, based out of Fairbanks, Alaska. Uh, I am Gwachin. I live in the northern part of Alaska, part of what is called the Arctic. I'm a subsistence hunter. I get most of my meat diet from the land. I depend on the pine caribou herd, the one that is being jeopardized, uh, as part of uh, my meat diet. Uh, The Gwich'in Nation in Alaska uh, depends on the porcupine caribou herd. They have been since time immemorial. So anyways, I got involved as a board member as of January 2017 after I found out that the uh, northern and the porcupine caribou herd declined by 50%. And this is what I read in the Fairbanks Daily News Miner. Uh, now, I guess more than ever, uh, we believe that the uh, rising number of diabetes and cholesterol levels among the Gwich'in Nation is another reason to protect the caribou herd and the refuge in the state of Alaska.
3: Hi, my name is Janine Freina Jutley and I'm a member of the Vuntut Nation, of the Vuntut-Gwich'in Nation on the Canadian side of the border. And uh, I'm really grateful to be here, to be here as part of this tour. And thanks for having us here today to inter- for the interview. I think that it's... It's really great to be involved in this especially as uh, one of the Canadian members of the of the Gwichin people and you know advocating for the permanent protection of the caribou herds calving grounds and they have a really vast migratory route and our traditional territory very closely echoes the traditional migratory route of the Porcupine caribou herd and that just shows how uh, interdependent we are how much we depend on the caribou for our survival and always have and you know, our relationship to the to the caribou predates that border, right? And becoming a bordered people affects our laws and our relationships to, to land and how we've used to traditionally move around. And in terms of our relationship with the caribou, you know, we need to advocate for the protection of their calving grounds. And it's a sacred place for us. Like in Inn, it's Ijik Kwatsan, Gwanda, Gutlit. And that means the sacred place where life begins, and that's that's how much that that place means to us. But yeah, with the with the caribou, it's so important to our daily lives. And there's just really unaffordable food prices up in the north. And, you know, you pay freight on everything. You pay freight on like a little can of like pre-mixed juice that's incredibly processed and probably has no nutrients in it. Like one of those can be up to seven dollars right? And we have a co-op store now in Old Crow, which is where my family comes from in northern Yukon. It means that our food prices are a little bit better, but they're still, like, you can't live out of that store, right? And there's over 30 nations that span the Canadian-US border, and we're the only one that still hunts for subsistence, right? And that just shows how much, like, We've been, we've been told, and I've heard Bernadette say several times, that, you know, if the, if the caribou are gone, we're gone. Like, we will cease to exist, and it's not something that's just, um, that's just cultural, it's a, it's a matter of food security. And when we got to go to Washington to educate and to lobby for the permanent protection of the, there they call it the 1002 lands, but for us, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a sacred place where life begins. But that's located within the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. One of the things that surprised me the most when we went down to Washington to educate people on the importance of the permanent protection of the caribou herd's calving ground. Um, one of the most th- one of the things that surprised me the most was how often if you're te- if you're if you're educating and sharing about the story, um, we don't say lobby. Some people use that language, but for us, it's really about educating people. I've uh, just found it surprising that uh, senators or staffers that you're talking to would change the language around on you when you're talking about this is our sacred ancestral relationship to these animals, and we depend on them for our survival often they would say, oh, we understand that they are spiritually and culturally significant to you. But then they, they didn't address it as a food security issue. And because we're a bordered people, it becomes an international human rights issue because it's about our food security. And that that's something that um, I found people try to, f- to find a way to like, dismiss or navigate around how severe and how important and international this issue is.
1: All the caribou herds in Alaska have been declining since 1999. And since 2010, the western herd has declined 57%. The porcupine caribou herd is still healthy in numbers because the Guich Inn have been leading the protecting their migration route and their calving grounds. So right now in Alaska, we are dealing with such drastic changes in our climate people are being forced to move from their ancestral homelands they don't have the money for it but there's also water shortage in some places that are on the coastal plain our animals are unhealthy we are ground zero And Alaska is thawing twice as fast, almost three times as fast as the rest of the world. So we are not, like, expecting climate change. We are living climate change. We are living in it right now, and we are down here because we don't have any other choice. This is—we're desperate, and we need the rest of our fellow Americans, fellow people, to understand that— all we're trying to do is protect our homelands. We're, pro- we're trying to protect our identity as Gwich'in and our food security. We have survived off of these animals since the beginning of time, and if they take that from us, then we will cease to exist. There's no other way to put it, and that is what has been passed down for us from generation to generation. And it's our responsibility as Gwich'in to protect the Arctic Refuge Coastal Plain the Gwich'in Way of Life, and the porcupine caribou herd, because we are one with them. That's why we all join, we all travel together, and we're just seeking support right now. Um, we encourage people to write to their senators. Go to our website, org or .com. You can also look us up on Facebook. Um, it's the Gwich'in Steering Committee, We try to keep it updated, but right now we're traveling the desert, (laughs) totally (laughs) different from Alaska. (laughs) Um, We're traveling and sharing our stories, and we always speak with one voice, the 13 different Gwich'in nation, and we all stand united, and we speak with one voice together, and we have always done that especially on this issue.
0: <laughs> You're listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson, and our guests today are Bernadette Dementieff, Janine Frey-Najutli, and James Nathaniel Jr. They're all members of the Guichin. of different groups of Gwich'in, but all speaking with one voice. And they're on a tour and connecting with other people to share their story and to gain allies.
1: I just want to share why I do this. Um, I do this work because this is my livelihood. This is the future of the Gwich'in Nation. And this is for my children. I have five children and three grandchildren, and I think they should be able to survive off the same caribou herd that I'm a descendant from. It also has a huge part to do with my identity as a mother, as a leader, as a Gwich'in. I feel like since I started working again, you know, I went to our ancestral homelands, the Arctic Refuge, and I was disconnected for a long time. And I went up there and uh, last year we have our Gwich'in gathering every two years where we reaffirm our commitment to protect the coastal plain. And we just had one last year and I went to Arctic Village and I sat up on the Deshanle it's called, and I looked over and I just, I really understood why my ancestors returned there every year. And, you know, I I, ask creator for forgiveness for being disconnected so long and that I'm here now to stand united and to protect my way of life. This is important to us. In Alaska, we still very much live and survive off of our land, off of our animals. We're seeing such changes within our animals. There's many people that's on the coastal plain, the Eskimos, that cannot eat their white fish anymore because the chemicals that are in our oceans, I don't know how to explain it, but you can cut the meat and there, there's ginsu all the way through it that's white meat, like white tough meat. There's sores on our moose. It's just really unhealthy and We're not going to be able to eat pretty soon. We're not going to be able to eat our food any longer, and that scares me. So this is what I have to do for my people, and that's one of the biggest reasons that I'm here is it's my responsibility.
0: And this was a way of life that was never easy before, perhaps in balance, perhaps the herds were healthier, and perhaps there was more food security but not an easy lifestyle,
1: yeah, I have stories, and I read stories that I am so proud to be Gwich in. The women work just as hard as the men, and they used to migrate the route with just the herd, and hundreds
0: of miles
1: <clears throat> yes and but the one thing is we don't go to the coastal plain, we don't go to is it lit that's sacred to us, that's the cavern grounds. There's been stories passed down that um, you know when first contact came, and there's a lot of sickness, so there was a lot of starvation, and even during that time, we still never went there to hunt, so that's got to take a lot of restraint, and so that's how sacred it is to us.
2: I'd like to elaborate on the um, what I said earlier about the, um, the high numbers of, um, diabetes and the, uh, cholesterol levels, um, among the native people, the Dikwuchin in Alaska and the high cost of living. Uh, it's, oh, all right, uh, now I'll take you back when I was a child, um, living in Chalkitsuk, Alaska, Alaska, and like we said that I am John Kuchin. And I remember back then you know there was hardly any illnesses such as diabetes or or um uh cholesterol and uh it uh, seems like now today it seems like there's you know there's everybody's has diabetes or they're taking medication for to curb their cholesterol levels. And uh, I, and then I remember back then, you know, the only food that we ever had was subsistence foods, and that included caribou, moose, rabbits, ducks, fish, and, 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 and then now if you see the fish that are pulled out of the water, you know, the fins are gone, they're abnormal, there's white growth in ducks, moose, and it, it's just not like back then how it was. And uh, and then we, we rely on these subsistence foods because of the high cost of living in the rural community that's not on the road system, the high cost of gas and food.
0: Thank you, James Nathaniel Jr.
2: I'd like to add another thing here. I remember back in around 2003, I, I remember when um, they started drilling up in the Arctic National Wildlife for oil. Okay, but back then and there was a lot of people that were working up north and bringing the monies into the their small communities. But e- even then, the high cost of gas and food was still um, still a lot. And then if, if you look at today, they still want to drill for oil, and today the food is still so high cost, including gas and whatever. So, you know, I mean, I I don't see problems yet to the people that um, they're getting oil out of their backyards uh, up in Alaska
1: with the climate changing the polar bears in alaska and the you know they're supposed to stay up on the barrow area and they have been seen as far down as where i'm from fort yukon and that is totally out of their element a lot of them are drowning because they have nowhere they can swim up to 30 miles they have nowhere to rest there's no ice so they're really starting to suffer and I mean, I don't know if they're following the herds or what, but they're really out of their area. And just as far down as Anchorage, they just had some weird camera footage that they didn't know what it was. You know, it looked like a polar river that's totally too far out of there. So we're just dealing with a lot of changes. We are really in need of the American public to understand where we are coming from. The um, tribes in Alaska are uniting against any more destruction to our homelands. It's it's getting ridiculous. There, There's a lot of drilling going on as it is already. They just want to continue, and that's just unacceptable. So we're down here, and we are seeking support. Right now the bill is um, in Congress with Senator Markey and Senator Bennett, to protect the arctic refuge there's 40 senators on there that's a historic number and in the house there's about a hundred and so i feel like it takes a long time for us to leave alaska and go to dc but we do it because it's our responsibility and i feel like we are getting through because there's more exposure to it what's going on and we have gained so much allies so much wonderful people and i have really gained a lot of good friendships but it really does scare me the future of my people scare me and i just want to do what i can it's it's not right what they're doing to us and i know there's many indigenous people throughout the us and on the canadian and Uh, Mexico. I know we're all dealing with so much, but it's time for us to unite. And, you know, we need to connect and we need to stand up together because we are stronger together. I just want to say thank you for having us. And it really does mean a lot. And on behalf of the Gucci Nation, we just want to say, and that means thank you very much in my language.
0: You're welcome.
1: You know, I ask my senator, what's your message going to be to my people when we can no longer hunt for our food? I work with a lot of people throughout Alaska, different tribes that are experiencing different climate-changing effects with their food and with their animals they eat. And in New Wixick, they can no longer eat their whitefish. And this is something that they have survived off for thousands of years. Now they cannot eat that eat that whitefish anymore. In in that area, one of my friends said that 13 miles from one step out of her front door is the closest oil rig. She said that there's a lot of respiratory asthma, and she had to pack up and move because it's so unhealthy living there, so she had to move to Fairbanks. And so we are kind of being forced to move out of where we have occupied for thousands of years and we don't know anything else we don't know anything else we've, we've been people of this land for 20,000 years and we're just trying to protect what we feel is God created for us to be there and we've been there, we're not leaving and we're going to stand up and fight against any development in the Arctic Refuge you know, the direction that our elders gave to us is do it in a good way. And that's not always easy. It's not always easy. It's frustrating because we share with them the experiences that we're going through. We share with them the hurt. We see our elders sick and um, they don't listen and it's frustrating. And even though we, our elders still tell us, we still need to do it in a good way. That's the only way we will be successful. Mm. And you know, it's it's just through prayers. You know, we our elders were were doing this job before. Now they cannot travel anymore. Now it's our responsibility. And one day we will be the elders and we will be guiding our people to do this because it's important and because I I have grown so much to love my people in the last few years that I I have really took this, you know, um, I've known about the issue since 1990 after I realized that this is my livelihood, this is not activism to me, this is me surviving and I have really taken it more seriously the love that I have for my people, the love that I have for my ancestors especially <laughs> because they had it a lot harder. It really does help me and I know that my elders continue to pray for us when we're on the, while we're out doing this work. And it's people like you and there's people like that really listen to us, not just to hear, but to listen and that really does mean a lot we feel welcome a lot of places and
3: we just want to survive that's all we're trying to do gee you speak so well and it's just yeah it really is from the heart and i'm always just grateful to you know share this share the room and like share these spaces and words together and to be able to have um you know a platform to share share our stories you know and to let people know the importance of the protection of the porcupine caribou herd's calving grounds, and you know, um, some of us tra- traveled over nine thousand miles to be here, right? And to be here and do this uh, do this in tour, to promote or not promote, but I guess. And as part of the tour, we're going to be screening this this film across four states. The film also features Bernadette, and it speaks more to the importance of our relationship with the caribou. And if people are interested in watching it, you can watch it at uh, Patagonia backslash the Refuge. Um, If you want to get more education on that, uh, you can also follow the hashtags uh, Protect the Arctic Refuge and hashtag WeAreTheArctic. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a few more that I'll say later on. Right now, it's funny because back home, people are getting ready for, for caribou days in Old Crow. Right now, this weekend, we have our annual celebration, which is in honor of the caribou. And the whole weekend there's cultural inclusion where people will like teach about cutting up meat and you know they'll like educate, they'll bring a caribou out and they'll bring all the, these kids from the community out and they'll like show and talk about you know the traditional names for all the different animal parts and how to cut it up good and what the different parts are for. You know there's different uh, races and there's dances and there's feasts and it's all just to honor the caribou, right And there's even games where it's like who can name the most parts of a caribou in Guiin. Right. So really um, promoting and celebrating our traditional practices. You know, I I had so many family members and cousins and community members be like, I can't believe you're going to miss caribou days. But it feels really good to be down here and have the privilege of being able to to do this work and to and to learn more. And uh, my mentor is uh, Lorraine Nitro, and she's been doing this work for around 17 years. Our people have been doing this work for over 30 years. And that's part of how we have a uh, interdependent relationship with the caribou. And that's part of what we can do, right? And it's not just for, um, you know, our children's children, but it's also for our future ancestors so that they can continue living in the way that we have, right? And it's uh, it's our food, it's clothing and uh, traditional practices like like tanning, And, you know, you can also make tools out of, you know, we use the whole parts of the animal. There's actually just a new cookbook that came out that's called, I think it's called Caribou Kitchen. And it has all these different recipes for every part of the animal, even the like little hoofs, the little toes. So, you know, there's lots being done to celebrate and promote, uh, you know, sustainable harvesting as well. There's also a, a recent film by Guichin uh, filmmaker Amos Scott called *The Sun at Midnight*, and I think that guy Dwayne Howard's in it, um, mm. <laughs> who was in uh, *Who Was in the Revenant*. But uh, anyway, that's another uh, Guichin film that is centered around the, the caribou or land use, right?
2: As part of our tradition, we usually um, pound on a drum. It's made out of moose skin, stand out. It's around things like two feet in diameter, but anyways, we don't have a drum today, but I drew a picture back home of a drum, and we put two sticks on there with feathers on there as part of the Indians down here or across the country and our tribe, and anyways, it says one heartbeat, one nation. So uh, today we're asking for your support, uh, Alaskan Natives, Canada, and the American Indians. Thank you.
0: Thanks for taking the time to come in here today. Bernadette Dementia, Janine frey Najutli, and James Nathaniel Jr. And you can learn more about them and their work at ourarcticrefuge.org or ourarcticrefuge.com. You can uh, learn more about the films and about their work to preserve and maintain the caribou that they're in relationship with thank you for listening to 30 minutes on 91.3 kxci tucson i'm amanda shogger